0: Pod Clubhouse and Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with Beth Kushnick are pleased to announce our Frontline Workers Hero Appreciation Contest. Running from now until May 19th, the rules for the contest are simple. We want you to nominate the Frontline Worker Hero in your life and tell us why. That's it. That's all you have to do. The Frontline Worker Chosen will win a design consultation with interior designer to the stars and set decorator, Beth Kushnick. As well as a gift certificate sponsored by Raymond Flanagan to help put your design ideas into action. To nominate your frontline worker hero, just head to PodClubhouse.com and fill out the official contest form. See the post at PodClubhouse for all of the official rules and contest information. No purchase or payment is necessary to enter. Void were prohibited by law. Pod Clubhouse. I just, I just wanted to say thank you. Oh. And I don't know. I just, I wish I understood you better. Hell, I don't I've written two books about me, and I can tell you, bitch, it's unpredictable. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I want to think that you've changed, and Charles obviously does, but you kind of built a trap for me the night of your book launch, and I fell into it. Are you that person, or this one? (sighs) You need to remember that you were digging for dirt on me in order to get between me and Charles, so I had to play rough. I knew it didn't look great, but when it comes to him, I'd rather save my ass than my face. Doesn't he deserve that? Yes. Look, you may not know me, but I know who you are. You're Maria von Trapp. you sweetness and light and pillow fights and guitars, and I am just not that. Whether I like it or not, I'm the Baroness. Nobody roots for the Baroness. But what they always forget is the Baroness loved the captain. She loved him very much. Good night, Eliza. Welcome to Heller Good, the Younger Podcast. I'm Sheila McGann.
1: And I'm Emma Good. Tonight we're discussing season seven, episode eight of Younger. This episode is called The Baroness.
0: So before we get too far into it, because, you know, we like to go off on tangents here, you should definitely check out the Spotify playlist that we've created. It's called the Hell or Good Younger Podcast by Pod Clubhouse on Spotify. And it's a little bit of mood music to help you along as you wait the days in between new episodes. We go back through the seasons and I keep adding new songs all the time, mixing up the, the playlist order. So go have some fun with that. It's a fun project for me and I hope you guys get some enjoyment out of it, too.
1: Sounds good. Well, let's get into the episode. So a little bit of a highlight for me was we got to see Caitlin, because I actually quite like Caitlin. I mean, even though she hasn't always maybe agreed with her mum's decisions initially, she usually came around and supported her. So I've quite, always quite liked her as a character. So it was good to see her in this final season.
0: Yeah, I figured with COVID protocols that they would skip her altogether. You know, her being in college and it would just be an excuse, easy excuse for her not to be seen. So yeah, it was, it was great to see her. Although I have a feeling, much like Diana last episode, that this will be all we see of her.
1: Yeah, but that's fairly normal for Caitlyn's character. We usually only get glimpses of her each season, like maybe one or two episodes at most. So I'm not as you know surprised about that, whereas Diana was always such a big part of the show. So it's been much harder to deal with her loss.
0: So my highlight was actually, it was kind of a tie. So the momentary highlight was Kelsey in the book that connected with the guy's head. But Maggie going off on cast was definitely the highlight for me.
1: Yeah, I did like the fling of the book, although I was horrified by the thought of books being cut in half.
0: Oh my god, how horrified. Decapitated books. (laughs) I was like, why would you do that
1: to a book? I I don't understand people that do things with books like that. Like, I think I've seen um, Instagram posts where people drill holes in the middle of the books to make, like, lampshades and things. And I like the idea, but maybe don't use an actual book because I want to read the actual book i
0: was on vacation with my husband this was years and years ago and there was a guy we were on a cruise and there was a guy and he was reading a book sitting by the pool like on the little chase lounges and he was reading a book and every time he fit he flipped the page and he was done with the page he would rip the page out of the book and put it on the ground next to him and after like 200 pages i was just like dude what are you doing he's just like oh he goes i'm just done with the book like it's very satisfying to me once i've done the page like (gasps) i have talk to this guy because I was just like so horrified he was like oh it's just it's just like it's the, the conclusion of the book for me I'm, like but I go back and like I get confused by things I go back because like you know I'm not quite paying attention I wish you could see my face like this is a podcast but my my mouth was agape I was just like what in the world are you doing so I just couldn't
1: I wouldn't be able to be around someone like that I would have to like run away and just forget I ever saw it I just Oh my God, I get upset because I reread my books a lot. I do too. And sometimes they start to fall to pieces and I get really upset by that because, you know, the glue starts to go or whatever. I think I've had to buy Pride and Prejudice about four times because of that reason. Uh, now I've just got the ebook, which makes it a bit easier. But right.
0: just, your iPad is a little bit better on the wear and tear.
1: I just can't <sighs> imagine, like, ruining a book in that way. Like, that just horrifies me. So So seeing these, like... Books ha- cut in half. I just, I couldn't understand it. I mean, who builds a bookcase that you can't actually put books into?
0: They don't take up that much room. I mean, yes, a whole bookcase does, but I mean, like actually on the shelves.
1: So anyway, that was also a bit of distress I had to deal with in this episode.
0: No, <laughs> well, I kept coming back up to the part when I have to watch it. I'm like, do I have to watch the decapitated book scene? But the fact that she does connect the decapitated book to his head so gracefully, I feel like a full, a fully formed book may not have been flung in such a poetic way feel like she exactly. would have, like, thrown it at the glass or something and it would have, you know, landed on the, <laughs> the ground of Lorimer Street on
1: Williamsburg. Yeah, so so that was pretty distressing from this episode, but the um, other distressing thing is Quinn was back.
0: I've got thoughts, I've got opinions about her. <laughs> so the balance for me was, yeah, Quinn was back, but also the fact that Maggie got to unleash on Cass was, was like, the true highlight for me. And we'll, we'll talk plenty about it, and it kind of factors in, like,
1: I did like the fact that while she was, like, there talking to Cash, she's, like, grabbing the boob off the bus <laughs> that she was holding. <laughs> and then it, like, whooshed, um into her hand. But, uh, like, the fact that she was just holding it the whole time was pretty funny.
0: Her boobs are just staring at her the whole time. And, she, and Maggie's handling her boobs the whole Oh, it was just it was very funny. Very well yeah. done. The aesthetic here was very, very well done. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about just quickly before we start the episode was that it was revealed recently that Hilary Duff was pregnant throughout the filming of this season. It's becoming just more apparent in as, this, as the episodes go on, right, that she's got this baby bump and that, you know, they're doing their best to, to kind of work around it, right? Because obviously Kelsey's not pregnant. But um, what were you, what were your thoughts about this?
1: i must admit i um i must be really unobservant about these sort of things because i haven't noticed at all but uh, now that you know people have pointed it out i might go back and have a look and just see if i can notice but i don't know i think i just get too caught up in the story that i don't really pay attention to things like that but i don't know maybe i'm just more unobservant than other people
0: well, I feel like just two episodes ago or when when was Quinn's party? The the F word party at the TWA lab. Yeah, I think that was
1: episode six, wasn't
0: it? I think yeah, I think it was six. So she was wearing this cute little short, tiny dress in that in that episode. And here we are, you know, two short episodes late. I think there were like one or two scenes last episode that I was kinda like, oh, she was, like, holding an iPad in front of her. But this episode, more so, like, the clothes have gotten a little baggier. or she was wearing, like, that green kind of jacket. So, yeah, I mean, I just give Hillary Duff, like, major kudos for filming under COVID protocols and filming while pregnant. Like, it's just, like, an added layer of stress that you just... Mm don't need I'm a fan of the clever camera angles and the wardrobe choices basically because like in the past I've seen like when people have been pregnant I'm thinking like Allison Hannigan from How I Met Your Mother when she was pregnant basically they just filmed her from like the chest up for an entire season or half a season however long it was until she went on maternity leave and it was just like it was so obvious because they'd have like these really long camera shots for everybody else and then it would be like a close-up of her it was just like all right so I'm 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 a fan of the fact that they're they're doing the same like wide angle shots, but they're just like, you know, she's sitting with her legs crossed, like when um she got sexiled on the couch, right? Yeah, so she's just like sitting with her legs, you know, kind of bundled up. So but just kudos to her for filming. <laughs> to
1: yeah. That. I must admit I remember I think it was on the nanny with Cece. And they used to just give her like progressively bigger bags or something like that. And it kind of almost became a joke of its own to cover up her baby bump.
0: It's like it's like how big is her bag this week? <laughs>
1: Obviously, the character of Cece was not going to work for her to have a baby on the show. So yeah, it was it was kind of funny how they just sort of made it over the top when they tried to cover it up.
0: Yeah, this is a little bit more low-key, and I, I did go ahead and watch the next episode as well. Yeah, it's just more clever ways of, of covering her up. So it's not just a bag. It's, uh, without giving too much away, it's a laundry basket, you know? <laughs>
1: I'm going to have to check it out. Yes. So should we jump into it? I mean, yeah. I think we need to start, unfortunately, talking about Queen, She's back. But not only that, Caitlin's, like, a massive fan. How does she not know that her mum has issues with Queen? Like, she didn't even seem to know that her and Charles had even broken up. I'm like, do they never talk?
0: I don't know. I guess as a 20-year-old, you're pretty self-centered. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some deep self-reflection here. As a 20-year-old, A, I was living in Australia. B, yeah, I was pretty self-centered. I really wasn't paying attention really to what was going on necessarily with my mom and her potential love life. So
1: I think I was just saying that maybe it was like once a month, I think I spoke to my mom and it was usually like a message left on the phone going you better call me or I'm coming to visit.
0: <laughs> right, or for me, like living in Australia, like mom, I'm going to need a wire transfer soon <laughs> running out of money but no it's funny because like my mom got email when i moved to australia like her first email address is uh is dating back to like basically the day that i left i was like let's set this up for you
1: that's like my mom when i went to the u.s and she used to print out my emails as well (laughs) (laughs) i'm like mom they're always going to be on the computer She's like,
0: (laughs) now it's not surprising to me that caitlin's kind of oblivious to this but just like the nail in the coffin that Liza did not need is that Caitlin's like, oh my god, that's Quinn Tyler, and the fact that she's just such a fan. So it's like you know, like punch number one is that Charles is dating Quinn. Punch number two is you know the double the double jab is that Caitlin is like this massive fan,
1: and they're like bonded immediately over you know the singing. What's what's that called? The
0: oh, that acapella troublemaker acapella. Group. That's
1: the word. <laughs>
0: but like, what in the world is going on here? Like. Who carries around a pitch pipe, first of all, <laughs> in their bag? But no, I just, I'm trying to understand the dynamic between Quinn, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, at the dinner. But the dynamic between Quinn and everybody else in Liza's family, and the dynamic between Quinn and Liza. Like, she just seems to get along with David, with Kate, obviously, with Caitlin. She agrees to do this Spirit of Vassar event.
1: Did you really get in love with David, though? I thought she was just more being polite to David.
0: But then, like, she turns around and she she gives him the business card of, like, the person from her venture capital firm. I don't feel that that was a platitude.
1: That's true. I kind of thought that was just, like, a call them and she might just tell them, just say no.
0: She wasn't going to really give him money, but she was going to, like, bring him up to speed in, like, yeah.
1: industry to terminology. Yeah.
0: But I was getting the feeling that that would be like, here, just do this, meet with him for an hour or two, and, you know, you're done with it. But, like, she didn't even have to do that, whereas she's literally stabbing Liza in the back at every turn that she possibly can. So I'm just trying to understand the dynamic here. Is she trying to, like, is this one thing of, like, keep your enemies close?
1: Yeah, and it's, you know... Oh, let's just go into the dinner now, I think, because she, she talks about, you know, being the Baroness from Sound Music, which is a movie I absolutely love. And I wouldn't say I necessarily hated the Baroness, but she's made out not to be a likable character. But for Queen to compare herself to the Baroness, I don't feel like the Baroness went out of her way to be antagonistic towards Maria, whereas Queen goes out of her way to be antagonistic towards Liza. Like with the Baroness, she... She thought, you know, she was with the person she loved and, yes, she was struggling with the children, but he wasn't particularly close with his kids either. So she probably thought the relationship would be just them and the kids would be looked after by someone else. And then, you know, when she realised that he was in love with Maria, she gracefully walked away. I don't see Quinn being anything like the Baroness at all. Like, I feel like she's trying to reach for something there to make herself seem a bit more likeable.
0: You know it's interesting because i i too love the sound of music and i can honestly tell you i've watched it easily over 300 times in my life
1: um, i probably the same <laughs> yeah
0: i mean like i remember being like a kid home from school like sick and i'm like can we put on sound of music it was like my comfort movie but the baroness is really interesting because when she goes to break it off with Captain Von Trapp, like, when he he comes to realize his feelings for Maria, she's actually the one who kind of, like, says, no, 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 we're not doing this, like, I'm walking away, essentially. I, I don't feel that necessarily that, that Quinn would be like, I'm walking away. I feel like Quinn would do, like, a scorched earth. I think that she would just try to break as many people down as she can if she doesn't get her way. So likening herself in one way to the Baroness is smart on her part because it's like she realizes she's not the sweet, lovable one, but she's the more shrewd, the more pragmatic, the one who's going to like come at you from all sides. She's like the Velociraptor in Jurassic Park. She's gonna get like Max, right? The Uncle Max to help out. And you know, she's going to like kind of make Maria, Liza. She's gonna make Liza feel bad, so she's gonna come at Liza from like two different angles. But much like the, the Velociraptors do, I, I either break things down to dinosaurs or Star Wars in my life. So you know, this being Star Wars week, I'm surprised I didn't go for a, a Jedi reference. But
1: yeah, yeah. I just feel if that she wouldn't. Star Wars, not so much with the dinosaurs. I'm, I'm not. I've <laughs> watched that one so much.
0: <laughs> there was another podcast that I said something about like the Velociraptor attack, and it was just like yeah, that works, because, you know, like, triangulate. But, yeah, so just back to Quinn. Um, I just don't know if she would ever take that mature bow out that, like, the Baroness takes. I feel that she would take a 21st century, like, flamethrower to the place.
1: Yeah, and this is why I was just like, I don't think this, you know, metaphor of between them really works, you know. Maybe Liza can be a Maria, but I'm not sure that that Quinn's a Baroness.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> right yeah. it's like the 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 mixed metaphor i like trying to think of who she is she's she's closer to glenn close in fatal attraction i think than the baroness right wow. that she would yes. you know lay waste to a lot in her path she doesn't come off wow. as as very mature in this conversation either because she's like well you know if it com- comes between like saving my ass or saving my face you know i'd rather do this but also it, it's it's not taking into account being truthful either. She's still about appearances, she's still about winning and competition. So it's it's a very I don't know, the whole thing just left a very bad taste in my mouth. Like Quinn still didn't answer Liza's question. Right? So quit like so Liza corners her and says, Well which one are you? Are you this Quinn who shows up to the spirit of Astro Reward being asked by my daughter? Or are you the one who laid the trap for me? Yeah. And she still didn't answer. She gave this cryptic, I'm the Baroness and you're Maria von Trapp. So is that her way of saying that eventually she'll give up? Because I don't get that from her at all. Because eventually the Baroness gives up.
1: I don't see Queen giving up. I mean, she has a goal in mind and she's working towards it. And she doesn't like anything getting in the way. And this is why I was like, I really think you're trying to make yourself look better here. But in terms of why she turned up to the spirit of Vassar Award, she knew she was a last minute invite. I do think she did it because once it would have been announced that it is her, it would have looked bad if she pulled out at the last second. So I think that was more about saving her face once it was announced it was her rather than trying to help Caitlin out. But I also wonder if she just did it because she knew Liza would be there and she knew she would be having Charles along. If it was just another opportunity for her to rub it in Liza's face that she's with Charles.
0: So do you think that Quinn would have pulled out had Liza not said something to her directly?
1: No, I don't think she would have. I think she would have gone ahead with it, whatever. Because it's also her old her, it's her old school as well, so she maybe has loyalty to it.
0: <laughs> I just feel that Liza needed to say that in order to like reiterate that like it's not me you'd be hurting. Yeah. But Quinn also gave the appearance the whole time that she was planning to go. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying really hard to read this woman, and all I know is that Liza looks like she would rather be in that jail, that jail cell with Jane Fonda than at that dinner function once she realizes that David turns up
1: oh my god yes like i never quite get because he's he's written as such a hapless character maybe you know he's always just yeah never really seems to have anything going right for him or have it together for himself and i just look at him sometimes and go How did he and Liza get together? But then, you know, they got together when they were 20 or something and everyone acts a bit stupid at those ages. And then maybe Liza just felt she had to do it for Caitlin to be in the relationship, which a lot of parents do, and maybe they shouldn't. But I do just, every time I see David, I'm just like, how, how did you end up with him?
0: No, I agree with that, because looking between David, Josh, and Charles, like, there's nothing similar about these three men, other than the fact that they all have brown hair. That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe she just likes the hair.
0: Yeah, but she's attracted to brunettes. <laughs> but let me ask you, so Quinn has this moment then with Liza towards the end of the episode, where she opens up to Liza about having been married before. Why does she do that?
1: I was confused, though, as to whether she'd actually been married or it was just in, like, a serious relationship with someone, because I didn't she didn't really actually say she was married, because I kind of went back and I was like, did she, was she married to him? But I think it was more that she could have got married to this guy and gone down the same path of Liza, but she didn't do that. She went her own way instead. So I'm not 100% sure that she was married, which surprised me if she would ever get married, because she just seems so driven and determined. I feel like You kind of have to be like that from a young age to have got where she has. I mean, you know, she's this billionaire and stuff. Oh,
0: excuse me. Hot billionaire. Respect, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you have to have had that drive in you from a really young age that, I'm not sure. You know, she was actually married. I think maybe it was just a, a fairly serious relationship. Maybe yeah, that's they were possible. living together.
0: But why would she open up to Liza of all people about that? Because like ne- this is as mo- as most vulnerable, I think, as we've seen Quinn throughout.
1: I don't really know. Like I'm not with you. I'm just so confused by what she does sometimes. Is this just another ploy to sort of bring Liza, Liza close again? And she's going to like set her up for another big fall. I don't get her intentions all the time.
0: If anything, it's probably to bring her in close, you know, keep your friends close, your enemies closer kind of a thing. She wants to keep eyes on Liza, and I feel that if she gives, like, this breadcrumb, this little nugget of information, that it'll dupe Liza into thinking, like, oh, she's changing, she's accepting me, so that this way, when she gets the opportunity to, like, stab the knife in her back again, that it's it's even more interesting and easier because liza will probably have let her guard down somewhat
1: liza is such a compassionate person as well that i feel quinn's using that and and i think you know liza's the type of person that generally will try and think the best of people if she can and that i think quinn's kind of using that to her advantage
0: i agree and then everything nice she says she always has to like undo it with a barb Then she says, well, I don't have a Caitlyn. But then I also like, you know, everything is the way God intended it. Like the way that God and my waxer intended it to be. It's just Fabian. (laughs) Yeah, Fabian. It's it's just, she's becoming too much of a cartoon villain to me. Like she's very one dimensional. And, you know, this ruse of everybody but Charles seeing her for what she is. Well, no, I can't even say that. Liza sees this one true side of her, and I do feel that that is her true side, and that's that driven, that ambitious part that you talked about. That it's just getting a little old for me. That Caitlin thinks the world of her, and you know she shows up to save the day at this you know major you know award ceremony for for her graduating class. Dave is going to think the world of her because oh she put me in touch with her VC firm, and he had to be told what that meant after talking oh about God. the different industry buzzwords. that's dumb. You know Charles thinks the world of her. Like everybody is in a position to say, like, "Oh, she's done this for me. She's done. She did so much. How can you say these things?" So it's really putting Liza in like this catch twenty two position because she's going to be the one saying, "No, but she's really this hard person." But there's all this evidence. She's being gaslit. There I go. I just figured it out.
1: <laughs> You're right. Actually, that's probably exactly that's it.
0: exactly what she's <laughs> doing because everybody else, huh? If you can see the light bulb gone off over my head. Yeah, because everybody else has got, like, these wonderful stories to tell about her. You know, she started the scholarship fund, you know, with my daughters at this big event. Oh, that's it. She's being gaslit. So she's being set (laughs) up to look like the crazy one. Got it! Figured it out. It only took me eight episodes, but I got it.
1: (laughs) We'll see where it goes from here. I mean, (sighs) Queen has just been too big a part of this season for me. I'd rather she had been like a KT a couple of episodes and was gone.
0: Two and done. (laughs) But... I don't know. I just feel like everything that's happening with Quinn right now is setting her up to be the Pauline of last season. Like, so what Pauline got to do last season and blow up lies a secret in the most public forum possible. If I'm putting on my uh, my, my crystal ball, you know, looking glasses, I'm saying that they're setting Quinn up to be like the bombshell revelation for whatever whatever that's gonna be for this season, however she's gonna rock the boat, it's it's gonna be Quinn to do this earth shattering thing to Liza.
1: Yeah. I mean you do need a character like that in the show, but I mean to have to be Quinn.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's very cartoon character ish in, in terms of like her like, you know, mustache twirling villain. Although her yeah. waxer would never allow a mustache, clearly.
1: <laughs> God, they would probably be fired if they did that. <laughs> Um, well I say we we move on to a slightly better p- topic, although you know not everything's going great for Maggie <laughs> let's move on to her <laughs> <laughs> at least there's more fireworks I love just how Maggie you know doesn't hold back sometimes; she just lets it fly, and we certainly saw that in this episode.
0: The smear campaign that's escalating, you know we touched on this a little bit the last episode and I feel that nobody's asking the obvious question or using this as Maggie's defense, but, you know, I have more thoughts. She wouldn't have had an art show in the 90s if she wasn't a supporter of transgender people. It's unfortunate that this is happening to her in present day, but this is a very real thing that happens to real present day people. And the show is an illustration of of real life here. But, like, I'm of the opinion that people are allowed to evolve as times change, right? So, you know, in the 90s, they used the term tranny. That is not an acceptable term now because the evolution of our thinking and our understanding and the exposure and transparency of the transgender, the LGBTQ movement has moved the needle on people's understanding and people's acceptance of people who might look and act differently to them. Someone who's been around as long as Maggie is allowed to have an evolution and she's conscious of it, right? So she she's moved her own understanding, her own language and she even says, she goes, I'm not a person who tiptoes like I just say what I say. I feel like the black and white treatment of terms and, you know, canceling people, it's really like, it's becoming unconscionable because it's almost like you're not allowing people to have their own personal growth in learning, in accepting, in seeing things in a different way. I don't know, like being woke isn't the same as being an asshole.
1: Yeah. And it's not like she's using, you know, the term like tranny now you know, in this day and age. I'm with you, you know, people's, you know, opinions change. They grow, they learn. But, you know, the 90s were, oh, my God, were they, like... A long time ago. I feel is it like 30 years.
0: <laughs> We've each other a very long time, you know? Yeah,
1: you know, we'll just pretend it's the late 90s as opposed to the early 90s because 30 years seems way too long ago. You know, that's a long time period for the world to evolve, for a person to evolve. You're not the same person you were from that many decades ago. If this was something that had been more recent, then yeah, fair enough. Like, you have to look at things in context. It's not something that she's consistently done over that time in terms of using the word tranny I mean it's it's a TV show so they can't always give you the history of everything but you don't really see anything recent that she's done that would be offensive to transgender people
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you but even Josh says he goes you're not transphobic and he's known her for like a blip In time, in terms of her lifespan. he's like, you're not. He was emphatic. No, you're not.
1: Exactly. And it's also not like she would have had an easy path herself being a lesbian in the 90s either. Like, things were getting better then, but they still weren't great for, like, gay and lesbian people or transgender people. It was a bit more open and it was there was a lot more awareness. But there was still a lot of prejudice. I mean there is still to this day a prejudice against, you know, LGBTQ community. It is better than what it was and I'm sure in like decades to come it will keep getting better. But it takes time for the world to evolve and you will unfortunately always have some people that don't evolve maggie is not one of those people
0: right i feel like it's the relics that need to be canceled like the people who refuse to change their mindset and and refuse to move that evolutionary needle like i this week at work i had to take two trainings for hr like they have these mandatory trainings we have to take and they revolved around lgbtq community so one was like breaking down stigmas in the community so like for caretakers and caregivers like how you refer to somebody you can't just throw out labels you can't just throw out you know like so say for instance like if a man reports on his health questionnaire that he had sex with a man in the last year don't refer to him as a gay man because he may not identify as that he might not even be bisexual. That might've just been like an experimentation, or he may not have come to terms with like labeling himself. And there's a lot of people who just don't label themselves. So the two trainings I had to take this week, I was thinking about it in terms of actually this episode when I was prepping for this, because I was like, first of all, I know a bunch of people because I've worked in the same hospital system for 20 years now. There are caregivers I know who are taking this training now this month who are like, flushed in the face not comfortable with any of the terminology but yet they have to eventually move their practice forward to to be inclusive of this language and something as simple as like not saying necessarily mother and father because not everybody might have someone who identifies as a mother and a father i even thought about your dad like you still refer to her as dad but not everybody does like so so if you have a parent who's transgender and might, might have a different pronoun and might say call me something different you know might just say call me by my name you know because it, it might be too difficult so like there's just a, a sensitivity of language that needs to be allowed for and it's if if she like you said if she used this in the term in the current classroom setting you know like this is what we're you know this i, I still call it, like you know it's That's my friend. Like, she's just whatever, and whatever the word is that she uses, then that's a different conversation. But if you're talking about something that happened in 1994, you're talking more than 25 years ago, right? This is a very long way to say that we need to be a little more forgiving of people who do exhibit an evolution in their time. Because I can only imagine now in 2021 when we are recording this, if somebody comes to the show in 10 years from now, they're going to be like, what are these two women talking? About? Like, How could they refer to people as this? Because in 10 yes. years, like, our thinking will have evolved that much further. If you told me in 1995 that in 2014 that Ireland would be the first country in the world to legalize gay marriage, I would have been like, you lying. Because divorce only became legal in 1997. Legal. It was a crime to get divorced prior to 1997. And if you told me remember. that that country would be that woke in that short amount of time to move their evolutionary thinking into the legal framework, I've been like you, lying. Give it ten more years, and we'll see where we're at. But right now, I just I, I, have, I have very strong like feelings about canceling people because it, it's often done through the lens of a cast, someone who's got a bone to pick and uses the most inflammatory, incendiary. Tool at their disposal to destroy this person, and like we said last week, there's really no fallout to the person that makes the accusation. It's the person who's got to react.
1: Yeah, and I think it was quite good that you know Josh is the one that sort of figured out that this was not a student saying this. That this was an older person saying it, just from the language that they used to show that you know you know language also evolves over time, and clearly Cassis <laughs> hasn't. But the fact that she seemed to keep going with it like i thought she would have just left it as that one initial message that she sent out but she kept like going further and further and further and repeatedly doing it over and over and over again and i just sort of think what is wrong with you to have so much anger towards someone when it's your wife that you should be angry at
0: that's also like the million dollar question that still is going unanswered is that Maggie still didn't clear the air. Cass didn't obviously confront Camilla and she's making excuses for Camilla saying that she's got, you know, sexual blocks to overcome. So I feel like the two of them, Cass and Maggie, are still living in this gray world of truth because Cass is only reacting to what she's seen. Maggie hasn't come forth and said, well, Camilla came on to me and obviously Camilla has not had a conversation with Cass about where this is all going? And frankly, what Cass is doing is exhausting.
1: <laughs> oh, I just don't have time to deal with things like that. Like I remember when Twitter wars, people used to talk about them. Now I have a Twitter account. I very rarely use it. I just I don't have time for stuff like that. I mean, I don't even have a family and kids or anything like that to you know say that that's filling my time. I just don't care about getting that angry about things. It just it's just a waste of effort.
0: It's just like if you argue with people you argue with strangers on the internet, it's just it's a waste of energy, it's a waste of time. I
1: don't know. I don't I don't know where this is going. Obviously we see at the end of the episode Maggie's show got cancelled, which you kind of predicted would happen in the last episode. But then the guy's like, you know, Maggie amato is cancelled altogether (laughs) and it's just like wow like yeah i don't know how maggie's going to come back from this at this point even though she's had it out with Cass, that doesn't resolve it at the wider level because this is out publicly now i just don't quite understand how she's going to be able to come back from this
0: yeah, and I feel like this is, like, that little Williamsburg support system that she's got, like, between Josh and and I really like what Josh and Eliza were saying to her at the end, too, you know, is, you know, like, Josh is like, well, those who can't do teach, and that's not you. And, you know, so it was just cute little camaraderie, and I have a feeling that, like, the community, her little, like, family community is going to, like, rally around her and find a way to, to like, buoy her.
1: I'm interested to see. I can see Lauren doing something. like right? oh. She's, always, she's okay. always had a soft spot for Maggie. Obviously, they used to date for a while. And, yeah, this is what she is in there for. So I'll be interested to see what Lauren maybe brings out because I feel she's got the skills to get Maggie back out there again. Yeah, let's segue from, from f- via Lauren into Kelsey, into her apartment mm-hmm. search. <laughs> um, so we see the first episode – I mean, do you think Lauren, she she didn't want to have the villain edit, which is not what we really got. Instead, we got the, uh, I'm the thirsty girl that wants the real estate agent edit, which clearly is not what Kelsey was doing, but they've edited it that way. I mean, did you see this coming? You kind of mentioned how smarmy he was last episode and the way he was going on about the princess in the lonely tower.
0: Yeah. So actually it's a uh, desperate thirsty Manhattan bulge hunter. So just so that we're clear on the, on the actual. Title.
1: <laughs> yeah. That just makes it sound so much worse. <laughs>
0: I know, but like that's something I might watch. I do think that Lauren knew something was up because she, she had warned Kelsey against the villain edit, but I don't think that she saw this. This spin necessarily coming i knew I knew she knew something was up because they always need an angle they need a hook they need some sort of uh ratings generator
1: and you don't think just being a strong independent young woman able to buy her own apartment is enough
0: no again he, was, he what did he say to her to kelsey he goes this is aspirational tv so they they needed something in order to to make it more interesting i think
1: i know i must admit i do love watching shows like million dollar listing but i watch it more for the apartment porn than anything else
0: yeah well because the p pe- like i said it last episode like it drives me bananas with like these DIY house hunting shows. It's like I'm a lint loomer and I I, uh, I, I tend the community garden and I have a six million dollar budget. I have a professional job. My husband has a professional job. We live in like suburbia. Like there's no there's no way we can afford it. If we moved out of the state, if we moved out of New York, if we moved to like texas or north carolina we would definitely have something to play with we might actually get a basement in new york it's <laughs> kelsey can afford like a glorified shoebox at this point but even with her savings
1: she'd be probably lucky if she get a place that she's like living in with josh at the moment you know right. something like, it's down. more realistic
0: to live in one of the boroughs as opposed to like the city of manhattan uh, like what yep. she's doing like astoria queens is like in long island city those are you know big. Up you know, commuter-friendly neighborhoods in Williamsburg and any, anything that's like coastal, like right around the edges are, are pretty um, commuter-friendly. Did you think then that Lauren's plan for Kelsey to play doll and be the girl who tells Lauren about her dreams in order to get fired? Did you think this plan was going to work?
1: Not really. And, and you could see there's moments where she starts to react and then she's like, no, no, no i'm not allowed to react then i've got to be conclusion. yeah i've got to pretend that i'm i a dull and boring and stuff like that which clearly didn't work when she saw the books how could you not react to that
0: <laughs> you and i spent five minutes in the beginning talking about decapitated books and how horrified we are at what people do to books so a publisher Somebody who like produces books for a living, you know, there was no way that she wasn't going to be a meme, a vine, uh you know, some sort of a, 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 an internet celebrity. I definitely need some gifts of Kelsey like flinging that book, like Hell hath no fury, and poof, it just connects.
1: <laughs> you are a bit of a queen with the gifts, so yes, I can oh, say that. Coming.
0: I can converse in them. A movie picture is worth ten thousand words. <laughs>
1: No, I do, I do think, I did like how she just sort of was like, "I can't do this anymore," and just reacted and, and stormed out. Um, but I, did you expect Rob to appear on the scene? I mean, that was a bit of surprise to me that you know he's back. I thought he was just with Claire for an episode or two, and then we would not see him again. But Rob is back again.
0: I was surprised to see that Rob made a reappearance because I didn't get the feeling that he had any longevity. And then when I took a step back and, you know, thought about the episode, I was like, oh, it does make sense if he's like a real estate mogul him and brett are kind of like around the same age it kind of made sense to me but like on its face no i was not predicting that rob would be making a uh, a grand reappearance into the scene
1: yeah and i mean it's pretty clear from when he sees kelsey outside the apartment that he's interested and then he asks her out later on i mean this is going to go on for a couple of episodes i feel like this is This is going to keep going because he's clearly into it. I don't know, like, Kelsey initially is like, oh, I can't because of Claire and stuff. And he's like, you don't even know her last name. Now, you know, fair enough, Kelsey and Claire i uh, not that close, but she did reach out to Claire earlier when her and Rob broke up and it felt like maybe a friendship was starting. I don't know. Where are you on the girl code here? Is he, you know, fair game to chase after or should she maybe check with Claire first if it's okay that she starts seeing him?
0: I don't know. This is kind of a weird gray area because Kelsey did reach out for brunch with Claire because of the breakup with Rob. So there's been there's been stories shared, there's been like commiserating on like how awful and evil men are in this breakup brunch. Unfortunately, I do feel that a girl code has been established and while they're not like close, their relationships are too intertwined at this point. For there not to be sort of like a conversation. And Kelsey even feels it. She's like, oh, I meant to hit decline. You know, so she's already feeling some way about it. And yeah, so I feel that there's a girl code, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. I think, you know, if she wants to continue something with Robin, I feel like there is something there between the two of them that maybe she just needs to mention it to Claire early on because even though Claire was like oh he's a great guy but we're just in different places and stuff and she kind of didn't give the impression she was overly heartbroken at that brunch but That doesn't mean you want someone you know to move on with them. Always hard to see an ex move on, but how much harder would it be to see them move on with someone that you know and potentially you're going to run into because Kelsey's currently living with Josh. Maybe if she wasn't living with Josh anymore and they were, you know, she had her own place like she's looking for, it wouldn't maybe be so bad, but... If Rob and Kelsey end up being together and they're at the apartment together while Claire's dropping off Gemma, that would be quite awkward, I think.
0: So the only thing worse I'll say than having your ex date a friend is probably dating your best friend's
1: brother. (laughs) That's never going to be good. I've done that. I'm not proud of it.
0: (laughs) I don't recommend it. I will give it one out of five stars.
1: I was going to say, how awkward was it when he was the best man at your brother's wedding?
0: <laughs> no, he wasn't the best friend at my brother's wedding, but I did have to invite him to my wedding because I invited his whole family. <laughs> because it's my best friend. I've known her parents my whole life. I, Her sister. Oh, wow. That was a hard conversation to have.
1: And he came. So. How did John feel about that? <laughs>
0: It was definitely a a strength test to our relationship, I'll give it that. Well, Out of all my exes, I'm still friends with all of them now. Like it some um, took longer than others, but like we've like reconnected in different ways and we're all just friends now. So it's it's all good. Nice. I'm very much a forgive person. Not forget. I don't forget, but I'll forgive you.
1: Well at least Kelsey hasn't done that and uh, luckily Lauren doesn't have a brothers. So-
0: yeah, <laughs> you
1: exactly. Sorry so, about that one. I do feel like potentially there's a, not a, if this does continue, it's it's not going to be good if she's not open about it.
0: Right, and like you said, the setup is because their their relationship is so intertwined. Not that they're close, like we said, but like the drop off of Gemma, and then like if it's at eight o'clock in the morning and Rob is there and getting ready to go to work, and it's like, what are you doing? Oh uh, Like that's just going to blow up in a big way, and the early sharing makes a huge difference
1: but it could also be confusing for Gemma as well
0: yeah oh I didn't even think
1: of that well I think she's starting to get to that age where she's recognizing people more and you know she spent a bit of time with Rob so yeah I mean that potentially could also be a bit confusing going oh you used to be there or now you're here and I don't understand you know kids can accept things but it doesn't mean they don't sort of pick up on things as well
0: that's a really good thought i didn't even think of that but i was impressed that rob did his homework enough to know to need to buy millennial books over empirical books i feel like that's some deep googling right that's from a couple episodes back some deep oh googling. my
1: gosh yeah the googling <laughs> with like three glasses of wine
0: <laughs> if i do deep googling it's usually because like I, I found like some ancestry nugget and it's like three in the morning and i'm like look it up random dead Irish people
1: so. <laughs> yeah no he, he definitely has done his homework he's clearly keen and you know like I said there's a bit of a spark there I can kind of I can kind of see the two of them together but both of them need to be a bit open with Claire and I think you know Rob as much as you know Kelsey and Claire aren't that close and he knows that she didn't know her last name but I think he needs to realize that Kelsey does have you know is in within Claire's circle so he needs to be a bit more aware of that as well I feel like he's glossing over that just to get what he wants
0: it's going to be a slippery slope and and we're in this is episode 8 of 12 so yeah so like I feel like this is the right building of tension like there'll be enough friction here to create some sort of a sort of end of the season blow up so very interesting is that everybody? Because Joshua really, Josh is really part of the Maggie
1: arc. Yeah, he, he didn't really have his own sort of story. He was really just there to help Maggie see who was actually behind the tweeting.
0: And Charles really didn't... He didn't say anything, really. He just had the dinner, right? He was just talking to David.
1: I don't really remember him being that involved in the episode at all. No, yeah, he was, he was at just the there, dinner. He but... like,
0: yeah, he just walked in with Quinn. So, so I kind of struggled to come up with a meditation with Maggie because... There weren't really many moments of zen with Maggie because she's in turmoil, right? There's, there's just a lot going on and her world is literally upended. But there was her epic takedown of Cass as an example of how you can get your point across in like the most memorable way possible. So let's play the clip here. This was all you. You set me up because you didn't believe me about Camilla. Of course I
1: don't believe you.
0: She gave me a bust
1: of herself last Christmas. Why would she give me another one? You pressured her to send you photos of her bosom. And worse than that, you are damaging
0: these kids with your antiquated views. (laughs) Me, antiquated? You wear rouge and tell me to pack my valise for Provincetown. Well, guess what? You can unpack it because you're fired. You brought this on yourself. And I don't blame Camilla, poor thing. She's vulnerable. She's struggling. You took advantage. She's trying to overcome her sexual blocks. Oh, she overcomes all right, right? Like the flume ride at Coney Island. Like a broken shower head. Like an open fire hydrant in a hot city street. Get out! No, you know what? Not without my clay tits. Oh, excuse me. My clay bosom. Good job. I mean, like, if she'd been holding a microphone, Emma, at the end of this, like, not without my clay tits, chow, boom, like, drop the mic. Is is this her way of, of telling the truth to Cass without actually having to say the words?
1: She clearly made it. The sexual blocks that Camilla was having, she had no issue with that <laughs> when she was with her. Um, I just love how Maggie can just bring the words together and just say them at the time, because I can never do that. I'm just in awe of that ability because it's something I'm never able to do. I always have the conversation with myself after the moment. Oh, I wish I'd said that or I wish I'd done this. Or Whereas it feels like with me, Maggie just has the words, can do it right then and there. And, you know, she gets out what she needs to get out. I just wish I had that ability. Uh, <laughs> you know, she clearly made it clear that her and, and Camilla had slept together, but to make clear the circumstances around that to Cass, so it, it was a little bit of rubbing their face in it as well, which is maybe not so cool.
0: Yeah, it's like <laughs> if I'm going down, I'm not going down without a fight. So, my son recently started doing Taekwondo sparring, right? So, where they have to like do all of the stuff with all the gear on. Oh, he's so not a fighter. This is going to be awful for him. He went up to his first sparring match like he like smashed the ground with his his glove his padded glove smashed the ground and I'm recording it on my phone and I'm laughing and the person next to me was like what did he just do I was like I think he just did a Hulk smash I was relaying this to to somebody recently very like so like earlier this week he said to me he said well it's not surprising because he's much like his mother I was like what are you trying to say like I'm not a fighter I've never been in a fight and I'm like oh my mouth (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ha 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 fight with your words. <laughs>
0: I do. I, I, I defend with my words. I'm re- rarely offensive. It's usually defensive. But yeah, I do, do the same thing. It's like, oh, like I'll defend myself in the moment and then like afterwards, like, oh, I should have said that. But I feel like Maggie's really got like the the delivery down where it's like, you know, like the, the flu ride at Coney Island, like an open fire streak. There's a cadence to her voice that lends itself so much to the fact that not only are the words meant to hurt, but they're going to like resonate. It's going to be earworm in your head. I'm like, that's the part that I got to nail down better. I got to make it more, more memorable. (laughs) (laughs) And then not without my clay tits. Oh, don't let me forget those.
1: She put a lot of work into those. So, you know, why shouldn't she get to keep them?
0: Well, that's, I think, what was also so funny about it was that, you know, she had to now then stare at Camilla's breasts, her bosoms, right, as Cass calls it, bosoms. I'm like, that is such a 1970s word she'd be wearing her brassiere to go with her bosoms, but... Um, oh,
1: God, I was just thinking that. It was, like, <laughs> if she also used brassiere.
0: Well, yeah, because it's, it's like... it's very she still alliter-
1: uses razzmatazz.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. I was, like, it's very to, uh, alliterative to razzmatazz, so that would, you know, go well with the Casey Musgraves calendar. It just, it just works all very well. <laughs> but, like, she would have had to, like, stare at her breasts in order to, like, come up with this bust to be quite accurate. So, like, it just further rubs in Cass's face. Not only did I do the bust that I lied about, but I'm also gonna remind you that your wife has absolutely no problem because she's like like a broken shower.
1: Head. <laughs> Maybe the problem is just with you. <laughs> right.
0: So, you know, so that was the meditation with Maggie. I feel that it was more the the mic drop to Cass to give food for thought for what she had done so right so you you tried to ruin my life and and you you've succeeded in ruining some of my success but you know what i'm not going to go down without you taking accountability for your shortcomings too so that's really the meditation it's it's not really a zen moment but it's it's definitely a life lesson is this the last
1: we'll see of Cass do you think
0: if I have to guess, I feel like this is going to have to still be cleaned up a little bit. I feel like this is not quite done because Maggie's not going to accept that her show and her, herself, like her presence being canceled without without some sort of involvement of, like, the people who got her to this point. And I don't know if I'm saying that in a really good way, but, like, I just feel like there's still, like, loose ends with this story. Like, this isn't over. Like, this this is not the end of this story for for Maggie. It's still got to continue because, yeah, I'd say we see more of Cass. I just don't know if it's going to be, like, on screen or, like, on a Twitter video or, or something, but...
1: Yeah, because it's kind of like, you know, yeah, obviously Maggie's been cancelled. I was just like, I wasn't sure if this would be the end of the Cass-Maggie involvement because I wasn't sure if if he necessarily needed Cass to be back again. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm a bit like you. I think there's still a little bit of unresolved issues between the two of them that maybe she'll be back.
0: And also Camilla. Like, I don't know, like, we've only seen her. She's like, she's got such a huge presence for someone we've only seen once.
1: Well, Twice. And, you know, boobs a couple of times. Well, yeah,
0: the boob <laughs> right, the boob Oh, right, because like, they had the dinner at her house, too, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the boobs that came in the last episode, right, so. Um,
1: she knows. She's not really part of the drama. Like, even though she's created the drama, she's not really part of it.
0: <laughs> right. You know, like, that also could be wh- where we see Cass again, is that maybe Cass goes home after this explosion from Maggie and has a conversation with Camilla. So yeah, but I just feel like if Maggie doesn't rebound from this Casmilla situation, uh, you like what I did there, Casmilla? <laughs> We're gonna have to like deep de- like dig into Lauren or something for the next meditation. Like last week was Diana. This week was a stretch for Maggie. But yeah, so I feel like Maggie needs to resolve this really soon because otherwise she's gonna like tear up our little, you know, Zen moment of reflection here at the end. <laughs> Do it for us people. <laughs>
1: Doesn't she know how important she was to this? <laughs> exactly. The,
0: like The crux of the episodes every, every week is on Maggie here. This has been another episode of Heller Good, The Younger Podcast by Pod Clubhouse. I'm Sheila. And I'm Emma. We thank you very much for listening. If you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you got this podcast from to rate, review and subscribe subscribing lets you know when we drop new episodes and by rating and reviewing it definitely helps other people find this show and that helps everybody because then you just spread the hell or good joy you can find us on social media at pod clubhouse on all the things twitter facebook and instagram if you want to reach out for messages for comments we give shout outs when we get direct comments about the show or things that we need to include um definitely reach out if you have strong opinions about anything that we said, we could definitely include it in the next show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open and we'd love to hear from you.